Chapter 11 Lord Thoto's Feast Hall The Land Baron wasn't able to meet them for dinner the night before, but had sent his regrets, whatever that meant. The travellers were happy enough for an early evening, and after chatting with Almia some more, retired to their rooms. It was mid-morning by the time Lindell came to fetch Corian Voslo. The tall man was out of breath, much like he had been the previous afternoon, and Voslo guessed he spent most his day running at full speed. Our Lord Thoto, he huffed. Lord Ein Thoto wishes for your party's company at breakfast. Voslo had hardly finished a nod when Lindell turned on his heels and darted back down the hallway he had come from. Guess I'll grab Cory myself, then, the duelist said to no one. Their rooms were not right next to each other, as they were in the Black Tower. Instead, they each occupied one side of the hallway, with all the other rooms being vacant. Bradhall had been a busy place, with many lords, travellers, merchants, and nobles staying at the grace of Lord Braden. The halls there had been busy, the rooms all full of visitors, and the banquet hall was busy every day. It was a strong indication of the difference in mood and circumstance between the two cities. He let himself in, half suspecting that Cory was already out and about. The merchant was always early to rise, and seemed to prefer conducting business in the early hours of the morning. The fact that there were always people with whom to do that business implied it was a thing among courses. He was surprised to find Cory still getting dressed. The younger man almost fell over when Vosla walked in, and quickly scrambled to grab his shirt and fit it over his head. He couldn't get it on quick enough, though. Not quick enough to hide the litany of scars that covered his back. It was quiet then, as the two looked at each other across the room. Vosla cleared his throat. Scars are nothing to be ashamed of. I've my share of them. He said the words but he knew that Cory had more scars than a young man from a well-to-do household should have. Cory straightened himself up and pulled his shirt the rest of the way down. Is knocking out of style already? Vasla didn't answer. He just stood there, waiting, and Cory sighed. My father, I may have understated how much he wanted me to be a duelist. His disappointment that I was not a very strong boy, or a very quick one. Well... He worked that out with a whip. The duelist relaxed with a sympathetic smile. I know a thing or two about difficult fathers. I am sorry. It must have been hard. I see now why learning a little bit of the dance was important to you. Corey looked up like he was, once again, a beaten child. Maybe... Maybe we can put this aside and not talk about it again? Of course, Vaslo answered. Now put your shoes on and brush that mop of a head. We want it for breakfast. Our land baron has chosen to grace us with his company this morning. To business, then, Cory said, and sat on the edge of his bed to squeeze his feet into his dusty boots. As they made their way to the dining hall together, Vaslo couldn't shake the thought of his friend's scars. A great many of them were from a whip, there was no doubt, but not all of them. Some were clearly stab wounds from different angles and of different widths, which he knew meant different weapons, and, most likely, different people. Was Cory lying to him, or was his father even more brutal than he cared to admit? Vaslo always considered himself able to make a quick study of people. He enjoyed Cory's company, but felt he had more or less sized the man up after their first week together. Now, 
for the first time since they met, he wasn't sure he knew Corey very well at all. When he reflected on that for a moment, he realized that, actually, the young merchant frequently surprised him. Maybe, he thought, this was just what getting to know someone was really like. The aged duelist had been alone for so long that he had forgotten the feeling entirely. He decided to put the whole thing out of his head, just as Corey had asked, and his growling stomach made it easier to focus on something else. Breakfast. They pushed through a wide double door made of oak and iron that was amazingly quiet for its size and age. The smell of breakfast took them at the nose, and they found the dining room to be much more welcoming than the previous evening. Curtains and shutters were thrown wide, and high, vaulted windows let in generous light. Easily three dozen more people were seated at long tables, which themselves were covered in blue cloth with gold trim, embroidered with the side profile of a bear. Rather a feast this morning, the first words Corey had spoken since they left his room. Vazda took a deep breath of it, and his stomach rumbled with anticipation. The scenes of the city when they first arrived had spoiled his appetite for dinner the previous night, but did little to stifle it now. He always preferred breakfast anyways. They went together to a nearby table, which had silver plates of bacon, poached eggs, biscuits, and a bowl of delicious-smelling gravy. Nearly drooling, Vazlo had just grabbed a handful of bacon for his plate when he heard Lindell loudly clearing his throat from somewhere. May I present our new guests, Mr. Corey Rush and the master duelist Vazlo Stepman? He shouted aloud, then took a few breaths. Lindell was standing by one far side of the room by a stone table that faced inwards towards everyone else. Just to his side there sat a whale of a man. He was bald, though he had a thick black beard that already looked slick with grease from the morning's food. His belly filled the chair he sat in, threatening to burst from the dark blue vest that worked tirelessly to keep it in. Beady dark eyes were stuffed between bloated cheeks and jutting eyebrows. Golden rings with various gems adorned every pudgy finger, and with them, he wiped his beard, swallowed a drink, coughed, spat up some crumbs, and then looked out as though searching for someone. It was a cue that Vazlo took to mean they should stand. Corey stood first, and offered a bow, but no words, followed by the duelist. Which one of you is Vazlo Stepman? The fat man grumbled loudly, chewing food all the while. I am he, Vazlo yelled across the room, and again offered a small bow. Lindell continued. You have the good honor of meeting Lord Ain Thotto, Land Baron of the Riverlands, Lord of Ashgarden, and by the grace of our king, protector of the Iron Road and its merchants. Before any further introduction could be made, a young man dressed in wealthy attire stood and shouted, You murdered Darmin Sajan after your duel in Bradall. Lindell tried to interrupt. His name has been cleared by the Blackguard of any connection, the man shouted over Lindell. They say he upset you, and you toyed with him. The whole city saw it. There was emotion in the young man's voice now, almost like he might burst into tears. That's when Vaslo finally got a good look at him. He was a young, blond man, probably Belmaran, but his skin was more tan than a noble's son normally would be. He was in a golden tunic that almost matched his hair, and on his left breast he bore the duelist's pin, three crossed swords. The stories are all wrong, he continued loudly. You're just a murderer. Vaslo could tell that he must still be a mere apprentice duelist by the emotion in his face, his scarless skin, and the conviction in his voice. He wished he could sit under a tree with this lad, drink fresh cold water, and have a long talk with him about what the world of dueling truly was. 
He wanted to tell him, to convince him that no one was angrier to hear about Darmin's murder than he himself was. Above all, he wanted to tell him to not become a duelist. Before he could do any of that, two guards had grabbed the man by either arm and were escorting him away. He shouted a few more accusations, but Vaslo couldn't make them out over the sudden clamor. Vaslo, I'm sorry, Kuri offered in a hushed voice. You didn't deserve that. I probably deserve worse. Just wish it were for something I did, Vaslo said sourly. The hall was hushed once more by the slamming of Lord Thoddo's mug under the stone table in front of him. I don't carry the way, he rasped out. I need a feared bodyguard, not a fabled hero. Come over here and let me get a good look at you. Vaslo gave one last look of despair down to the uneaten bacon on his plate, sighed, and walked across the room. Lord Thoto was an even uglier and less pleasant man up close. You don't seem so old to me, Ian Thoto decided. I will be sure to tell my back as much, my lord. The land baron laughed at that, then coughed a bit, and wiped his hands on a napkin. They say age takes us from behind, so it always gets our damned backs first. He choked laughed once more, and as he looked around, others joined him. I've just had my fiftieth, though I don't look it. Vaslo nodded politely, and had the thought that the lord looked more like sixty, but didn't say that. You wear it well, your lordship. Hmm, yes, yes, they say I do. You saw the city on your way. Did you come by the north gate? No, no, that's right. Captain Bezrin said you came by the southern way. You see how dire the situation is, then. My beautiful city, its breath is being choked out by the hands of miscreants, rebels, and heretics. My very person is in danger, I tell you. They'd put me on a high spike and watch me work my way down it, they would. I've kept this city peaceful and prosperous for twenty-two years, but damn you if you remind them of that. An injustice to your generosity, my lord, some noble sitting nearby said with a nod. It's that damned lady blacksmith and her ilk. He slammed his cup on the table, and warm milk splashed from it. She invited these heretics, these lying people the captain told me about. I just know it. A lady blacksmith? Who ever heard of something so absurd? A new religion? What madness has gripped this city? We can barely keep the order. To say nothing of meeting the Lord Steward's demand to levy a militia or send troops to protect his half-royal arse all the way in Belmaris. Some discomfort could be heard rippling through the room as people shifted uneasily in their seats and cleared their throats for no reason. The Lord Steward may not be a member of the royal Belrace family, but he would sit the throne all the same until King Darren came of age at the end of autumn. As you say, your lordship, Vaslo grunted, I am happy to begin my service as soon as you wish. Let us hope I will not need to prolong, good master Doolist, Lord Thoto answered. Just until I can be safely escorted to my estates far outside the city. That is where we're left. Can you believe it? All my advisers say I must leave the city and hide, like a rat, in my countryside estate until this whole matter blows over, or until Belmar can spare troops to help me put this whole thing to a bloody end. Let us hope it does not come to a bloody end, the duelist said. Let us hope. Lorne thought of agreed, then gestured back to the table where Cory still sat. Return to your breakfast, good master duelist. Enjoy a day of rest and food, and on the morrow I will have Captain Bezrin call on you for some minor duties. He will have your first week of pay. Sir Norman is our chief of commerce, and he will call on your friend Mr. Ross tomorrow as well. Your lordship. Vaslo nodded, and paced across the room back to his table, where he might finally enjoy some bacon. No sooner had he sat, however, than a few guards came in through the main door in a hurry. 
led by Bezrin and another soldier of obvious rank. "'So's Alden and Bezrin, my lord,' Lindell said, no doubt stating what Ayn Thoto already knew perfectly well. "'We've a report on the matter of Bearsford,' the one in front said, and Vaslo guessed him to be Sir Alden. He was shorter, stockier, and older than his counterpart, Captain Bezrin. His bright brass helmet was tucked under his right arm, and his head was bare and shaved. The rest of him was in full mail, and a dark red cape hung over his left side. "'Ah, oh, good. I'd been waiting. Get on with it, then. Was it bandits? Right. That blasted new religion?' Thoto asked, spraying some food as he did. Sirs Alden and Bezrin exchanged uncomfortable looks, and at length the captain stepped forward. "'If it would not inconvenience our lord, the matter should be discussed in private.' There was little doubt that when Captain Bezrin put the idea forward, he had meant that they should all meet somewhere else, later, and in a private area. Instead, Lord Thoto stood from his chair. Out with you all now. Breakfast is over. You eat like a pack of wildebeests. I swear my generosity will land me in poverty. Out with you all. Except the master duelist and his companion. You two stay. He belched out. There were a few confused glances between the guests but soon enough they all scampered to their feet and out the main door. Some of them still had handfuls of bacon. The bacon that Vaslo just wished he could eat in peace. There, Lord Thoto said in an annoyed voice. We're in private now. Discuss. As you wish, my lord. Captain Bezrin held a hand out towards one of his men, who quickly placed in it a roll of parchment. He unfolded it and read aloud. Twenty-four buildings were burnt to the ground or else badly vandalized. Forty-one bodies were confirmed, though most of them were burned or butchered beyond any ability to be recognized. Two bodies were intact but died from stab wounds. There were eight buildings still standing and apparently unharmed. All eight had a white marking with a red dot on their doors. We estimate that another fifty people are missing and unaccounted for. The frown that Ayn Thoto wore was as much on his lips as on his deeply furled forehead. A message will need to be sent to the Lord Steward and another to the Justicar. What do you make of these white markings? Just nonsense, my lord, Sir Alden said. The captain cleared his throat, and in spite of a clear scowl on Alden's face, put forward his thoughts. It is the opinion of Vaslo Stepman, his companion Cory Rash, and myself, my lord, that the marking is some kind of indicator or sigil for the new religion. It appears to resemble a white lion, and the southern heretic is called the Lion of Diadvin. The land baron sat there chewing and brooding before calling out to Voslo. Master Duelist, have you seen those markings before? Captain Bezrin tells me they are appearing in our city now as well. We saw them for the first time in Bear's Ford, Voslo answered. The resemblance to a line is a guess, but fits the bill well enough. Corey stood. We have been on the road a number of weeks now, and there is no doubt that talk of the line is becoming more common in the taverns and inns. More common? Thoto tore another large mouthful of turkey from a lake he had been fiddling with and went back to noisily chewing. The stocky Sir Alden cleared his throat and took a step forward, so that he was further up than the captain. There, uh, there is something else, my lord. The land baron looked at Sir Alden as though the man had just asked to be executed. Still, the marshal of the guard lowered his eyes and said what had to be said. We found something. Well, something we thought required your attention. Though we're not quite certain what it means. That caught Lord Thoto's attention, and his eyes widened a bit. 
show me. He spat, grease running down his shiny chin. At a nod from Sir Alden, two younger guards brought forward a large circle shield, checkered with colors of blue and red, and bearing a wide brass boss in the middle that was dented badly. The center of the shield was caved in, and held together by some leather and stubborn splinters. They laid it on the dining table in front of their lord, who stared at it incredulously. A busted shield! That's it! he angrily shouted. Captain Bezrin approached the table now, since Sir Alden seemed at a loss for words. Look at the boss, my lord. What do you see? Iron Thoto seemed impatient with the whole ordeal, but looked anyways. Indentations. Wait. No. Duelist! he shouted. Come here! Vaslo's stomach rumbled, and he got to his feet and approached the table. When he saw the shield himself, he saw what Bezrin had been indicating. Impossible, he grunted. We must not be looking at it right. Have you ever seen something like this, Master Duelist? Lord Thoto asked. It can't be what it appears to be, he answered. Still, all the same, he put his own knuckles into the boss, and they slid in like a glove. The brass boss was caved in with deep knuckle indentations, as though someone had punched the shield once and broken it apart. Have you ever encountered someone who could do such a thing? Captain Bezrin asked. You've likely fought the strongest and best of the entire concordant. No, Vaslo answered flatly. No one can do something like this. Where did you find it? Sir Alden cleared his throat. It was in one of the houses you neglected to search, attached to an equally broken arm. Based on some things we found in the house, our guess is that the owner was a veteran soldier. He appeared to try and arm himself and fight his enemy, but was overpowered. Overpowered? That's one way to put it, Vazdo said. You mean to tell me that someone punched the shield hard enough to ruin the brass, splinter the shield, and still break the man's arm? Easier to believe someone was wielding a mace with an iron fist at the end of it, Alden said, and the duelist reckoned he was right. Wouldn't be any less terrifying, the captain commented, to think there's a man who can wield such a heavy mace so ferociously. It wasn't done by a man's fist, then, Lord Thoto said with visible relief and everyone else seemed equally reassured. I wouldn't be so fast to rule it out. Cory Rush approached them from behind and looked over Vaslo's shoulder, being a tall man himself. There are stranger things out there in this wide world than we can imagine, and, dare I say, that even the Book of Proofs would have difficulty explaining. Watch your tongue, Alden began to say angrily, but Lord Thoto raised a hand to silence him. Go on, the Land Baron encouraged. Do you know something about this? Corey shrugged his shoulders. Only the kinds of stories travelling courses share together around a fire, late at night and after some wine. Lord Thoto grinned a little at that, and motioned to a serving girl, who brought a shining silver pitcher of wine. She filled the cup, and the land baron nudged at Corey's direction with a nod to take it. No fire, but we've wine. Tell us a story, Corsa. My grandfather called wine the soul-stirrer, and the juice of truth. Sometimes a story told after good wine is truer than a story told sober. And sometimes it's bullshit, Sir Alden said, but was again reprimanded with a quick, stern look from his lord. Corey stepped into the small circle and helped himself to the wine. You were gracious, my lord, he said, and wiped some wine from his lips before continuing. Once, some years ago, I was travelling through southern Parthard with a small band of other courses and a few of their glaives. It is dangerous that close to the borderlands, of course, 
so it is common for courses to travel together on those roads. Well, one of the courses in our group was what we call a crosser instead of a corsa. He was a merchant who braved the deserts of the borderland to sometimes, illegally and secretly, trade with those who live in the darklands. You believe he did? Lawrence Otto asked incredulously. He possessed a knowledge of their culture and society that would be remarkable otherwise. Granted, I've nothing to compare it to, other than what I've gleaned from Morel's barbarians and their habits. Anyways, what makes this relevant to whatever is going on in your lands is that one night he told us a story about the lion of Diadvine and his followers. Everyone's faces took a darker turn at the mention of the lion, but Cory continued. He said that one evening he fell in with a band of the lion's followers, out on a mission to convert villagers to the new religion. One of the lion's right-hand men, as he put it, led the group. Now, he treated this courser well, and apparently did not try to convert him or put any type of special pressure on him. Rather, this servant of the lion had offered that the courser travel with them on a particular stretch of road because it was dangerous and often attacked by highwaymen, but that he would be safe with them. Heretics always imagine themselves to be protected by something, Sir Alden spat. Corey offered a slight nod. As you say. In this instance, however, they meant protected by the leader who was accompanying them. You see, as he told it, when the sun was setting and it became time to set up tents for the followers, this man, all by himself, snapped off entire limbs from trees with his bare hands and, according to the story, with hardly any effort. The courser looked wide-eyed at his companions, who all shared a laugh at his expense, but offered no explanation. When the strong man came back to the rest of them, obviously, the courser asked him how it was a human could be so powerful as him. The man answered that his unexplainable strength had come as a blessing from the lion, and that he was never particularly strong before. How can one person give another strength? Captain Bezrin asked, perplexed. It's just a story from an illegal smuggler, Sir Alden huffed. He was probably smoking the forbidden drugs with them too and just thought he saw things he didn't see. Assuming he didn't just completely make it up. Corey shrugged. I merely offer you the story. I can add, however, that when he told it to me, he still seemed shocked at the recollection of it. To me, at least, he believed what he was saying. And, well, we do have a shield with a fist print in it. And it was recovered from a village that had the symbol of the lion's followers on some of its doors. It's impossible, Sir Alden shouted, garnering a nod from Ein Thoda as well. But if it's not, Vaza said slowly, and looked to Cori. You're saying there's at least, possibly, a chance that a man like that exists. According to the story, at least, Cory said, then squinted. You almost sound like you hope he does. One side of Vaslo's mouth turned up into a grin, and he rested his hand on the hilt of his father's sword. I wonder if he accepts duels.